This morning's first reading is in the Old Testament, and it's in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 13, and that can be found on page 75 of your church Bible. Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Our second reading is just two verses from Luke chapter 23, verse 33 and 34. Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the word of the Lord. What are you praying about at the moment? What are the things uh, on your heart? What are the things that actually you can't stop yourself praying about at the moment? We prayed in our family, as many of you will remember, about uh, a fiancé visa for uh, Claire's now husband, Nick. Um, And many of you joined us in praying for that. In fact, a lot of people around the world prayed for that. Uh, By God's grace and by the intervention of our MP, uh, we got over that hurdle. This past week, I've been praying for Keith, who's a good friend of mine. We worked together on the Nigeria link for the diocese. He's been traveling in Laos and Thailand and became very seriously ill. Uh, Many people have been praying. By God's grace, he seems remarkably better, and we hope he'll come home soon. In my home, we're praying daily for Sue's father, who's very elderly, 91, and suffering from rapidly uh, developing dementia. 
I'm also praying about Nigeria, and we'll come to that later on. We pray for different things, and they have a different kind of uh, character, don't they? Some of them are very personal. Some of them, in a sense, we can't stop ourselves praying about because they just erupt up within us. Others represent a commitment and, a, and an intention, a purpose, uh, a purpose to do so. All of these things can be covered by this slightly ponderous word, intercession. We tend to use it in church to talk about the rather formal prayers that we use from time to time, uh, well, in every service when we gather. But it's the word that we use to cover all the ways in which we cry out to God for his world. Not so much ourselves, but more for the world and for those around us. It points us to uh, the Lord's Prayer, and these phrases particularly. Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if there is something distinctive about Christian prayer that marks it off from the fact that all human beings pray in one way or another, it's this, that our praying is not for ourselves or our own uh, satisfaction, but that God's kingdom may come and his will be done as it is already done in his presence uh, in heaven. It's a longing for his kingdom to come. I'm going to try and do two things very briefly this morning. One is just to make a few comments about intercession and what it is, and then some very few comments about how we can perhaps go a bit deeper and be more purposeful in our praying, in our intercession. So just two or three uh, points quickly about intercession and its character. First of all, it perhaps has a slightly dusty uh, image in the way we use it in church life is in fact as you realize as soon as you think about the word it's a very emotional word interceding is a word almost of desperation it's of trying to really stand in the gap for someone on behalf of someone and to plead with someone who can uh, rescue their situation it's a word that's highly emotional highly in, uh, intentional um, uh, almost uh, about despairing situations. I think of it uh, in that, uh, those couple of verses that we read about Jesus. At the very time he is being crucified, at that extreme moment of, of agony and pain for himself, he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There is the true voice of intercession laying self aside and interceding for those who are in a desperate situation. Uh, another Bible passage we might have read would have been the one of Abraham interceding uh, for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and many of you will, will know that story. Second point is this, and I find it rather difficult to find the right words for this, because, uh, as you'll see, we read in, the, in Hebrews that part of the work that Jesus does now in heaven is to intercede for us, to intercede for his people. And in Romans we read that uh, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, intercedes for God's, God's people. So intercession is somehow part of the business of the triune God, somehow part of the business of who God is. And when we intercede for situations, we are not, as it were, encountering a resistant God, a God who is somehow reluctant. 
we are somehow aligning ourselves with the God who himself is constantly engaging with the world, its suffering, its needs, and seeking to bring into the world justice and righteousness, compassion and mercy. So we have an intercessory God, as it were. We have a God who, for whom intercession is part of his life as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we are invited to join with it. And I think that brings us to my third brief point here, that there's something about this that is really privileged, really privileged. And every time we gather to pray and to intercede for the world, we should realize gratefully the extraordinary truth, extraordinary truth that we are being drawn into what God is always doing, interceding, working, longing for the healing of his world. It's a privileged place to be. I just want to say at this point too that I think for some people, and there are people in this church of whom this is true, it is a gift and a calling. And they devote a lot of their time and, their, uh, and intention in life to the work of, of prayer and intercession. And we should respect, honor, and identify such people and uh, uh, receive them, acknowledge them within our church life. But for all of us, it is part of the rhythm of our daily spiritual life. I want to just mention three things that could perhaps help us go a, a shade deeper in that regard. If we are to go deeper in this life of intercession, we need to be people who listen. We need to be people who are becoming more reflective and more attentive and alert to the world, its issues, and its change and development. We need to be reflective people. We need to listen to the world. We need to listen to the church, the church around the world. Uh, one reason that we are praying in the Diocese of Guildford at the moment for Nigeria is because we've been asked to pray by the Nigerian church. We listen to the world church and we listen to God. There is a reflective, attentive side to uh, uh, intercessory prayer. It's in relationship to the world, to the church, and to God himself. <laughs> Secondly, we need to be people who care I think you can only really go deeper in this life of intercession when your heart is really engaged, when you care. And there are, of course, limits to what we can care for. We can't care for everything. There will be those things that are on our heart, those things that, in a sense, we can't help praying for. There's the story which many of you will know of Bob Pierce, who was the founder of World Vision, and when he was an evangelist in Korea at the end of the Second World War where uh, children were starving and life was really wretched, he prayed a prayer which changed his life. It was referred to in one of the songs we sang, actually. Let my heart be broken with the things that break your heart, God. I don't encourage you to pray that prayer. There may be some people here who may be able to. I, I came across it many years ago, and I think I have always felt I can't actually, I'm not ready to take on such a process. It broke his heart and it changed his life. Let my heart be broken with the things that break your heart, God. It's a costly, risky prayer. 
someone here may feel able to pray it and be ready then for some dramatic things to happen. We need to be people who listen, we need to be people who care, and we need to be people who hold each other up. And that's the point of that uh, uh, extraordinary story about Moses and how it seemed that if his hands went up, the Amalekites lost, and if his hands came down, uh, the Israelites... uh, Have I got that the right way around? If his hands went up, the Amalekites lost, and if the hands came down, the Israelites began to lose the battle. It's saying something much more important than that. It's talking about how we stand together in prayer, how we are responsible together for prayer, and how we hold each other up. We need to have three things in mind. We need to be people who listen, people who care, and people who hold each other up. We're going to conclude now with a a small exercise in intercession. Exercise is perhaps the wrong word. We're going to intercede and we're going to do it a little bit like that. I'm going to invite you perhaps to turn in your chairs a little bit, and we're going to have a more intentional sense of being God's people gathered together and supporting each other in prayer. And I'm going to ask my good friend Mike, who I told was not free to refuse my invitation, (laughs) uh, to come and stand here. And uh, Mike, just stand there, that's perfect. And I'd like you to lift your hands as if you were praying in intercession like that. And I'd like you to think of Mike as representing all of us. We're doing this together. And as a sign of that, I'm going to ask two people, I'm not going to name them, I'm inviting two people uh, to come forward and hold his arm so that he doesn't get too tired. Are you getting tired? Will be. Will be. So let's do this together. Jennifer, thank you. Peter, brilliant. And if you get tired, sit down and someone else must come and do the work. Okay? We're going to, do, we're going to pray for Nigeria now. I'm going to invite you to listen to something I've got to say. I'm going to invite you to care. And I'm going to invite us to pray together. And I'm going to invite you to, where you are, speak out um, prayers for Nigeria. Why are we praying for Nigeria? We're praying for Nigeria because there's a presidential election in two weeks' time on Valentine's Day, 14th of February. Why are we praying for Nigeria? Because it's a country on the brink of disaster. It's facing the Boko Haram rebellion and the destruction and fear uh, and murderous results of that. It's also facing a new insurrection in the Delta over oil issues and related issues. It's a country facing profound corruption which is ruining it and the vast majority of people are trapped in desperate poverty because of corruption at the highest levels and even good men trying to address that find they can't undo it. It's a country facing the possible breakdown of central federal government. Political commentators speculate about the uh, emergence of a a failed state in Nigeria. It is a desperate, desperate time, and the church in Nigeria has asked us to pray, and our diocese is asking us to pray. We need to pray for peaceful elections and the election of a good good man, because there are only two male candidates, and people to have a a willingness to accept that result and to work for the healing and the purifying of the nation. We need to pray for good government and government which holds the country together. And I'm going to pray now, and then I'm going to ask you, just come in and pray for that country. We have listened, we care, and now we're going to stand together uh, to pray for that country. 
Father, we pray for the great and potentially rich country of Nigeria. And we pray as it dances on the brink, as a recent book calls it. We pray that you will protect, defend, and provide for Nigeria at this time of election. That it may come through without undue violence, that it may come through to a place of good and just government, and it may begin a new journey in service to its people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to just speak out prayers for that, that wonderful and great country. And in conclusion, a prayer from Bishop Benjamin Kwashi, who is the Archbishop of Jos in Nigeria, written for this time of prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, we praise and glorify you for the creation of the world. We thank you for Nigeria and her people. Have mercy on all her people, especially our young people, women, and children. Forgive her sin and cover her shame. Deliver and free Nigeria from violence corruption and evil. Deliver her from the sponsors of abduction, destruction, and persecution. Bring speedily the days of peace and restoration. Help Nigerians to build a nation that is strong, generous, and prosperous. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to 